2: Welcome back, party people, to the place everybody wants to be. You know it, you love it, it's Victory Lane. And we had a few drivers there this weekend at Homestead Miami Speedway. We recapped the season finale for all three national series. Plus, the goat is leaving us next season. <laughs> I cry every time. And of course, lug nuts of the week. This will not be the last episode of the year, We'll probably have a couple more before the new year rolls around, and even after January first, I think and I hope I'll be able to crank out some more off-season content for you guys. But I don't think it's going to happen every weekend. So, with that being said, enjoy this one last <laughs> for the foreseeable future. Ford EcoBoost 400 at Homestead Miami Speedway. We have a champion. The champ is here and. Boy, oh boy, it was a bit of a strange but also kind of straightforward race. So the championship four start one, two, three, four because rain rained out practice. And then NASCAR opted to cancel qualifying and have a 50-minute practice session instead, which I thought was the right move. So the race starts. Martin Truex Jr. is by far the class of the field. He is lapping everybody. I think he lapped up to 13th place in the first stage insane performance from him so then in stage two green flag pit stops he comes to pit road you know four tires and fuel no adjustments the casual and the team puts the wrong tires on the wrong side of the car what are you doing come on man that does not happen so first of all like 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 I said that does not happen in general it definitely doesn't happen in the damn championship race with a team that has been amongst the quickest pit crews and the best pit crews all season long. It just doesn't happen. So he has to pit again, fix that problem. Kyle Busch, meanwhile, gets clean air and gets the lead, and that's big for him. Luckily for Truex, though, Caution comes out soon after for kind of a half spin by John Hunter Nemechek. That gets him the free pass, and he's back on the lead lap, back, ready for action, carving his way back up through the field. This is going to be fun to watch. And it was. And then when night fell, Denny Hamlin's car kind of came alive. But they put too much tape on it. Chris Gapart said, you know what? That's on me. They had to pit, take the tape off so the engine didn't blow. Kevin Harvick, he, he was there all night. He led 41 laps. But his car was a short-run car. It was not a long-run car. And they wound up staying out late to try to change it up on pit sequences. But that wasn't going to be the winning move. They were just hoping for a caution late. They didn't get it. So Kyle Busch had the best car when it counted the most. He ended up dominating this thing, wins the Ford Boost 400 and wins the championship, his second career championship, first one coming in 2015, this one in 2019. He tried to put into words what it means to be a two-time champion, and we'll get to his kind of emotions afterwards and I guess lack thereof. But once he was in the media center, I, I think everything kind of started to start to sink in.
3: I don't even know quite yet to, uh, to put it all into perspective or all into words. But um, it certainly is, is an amazing opportunity, and um, um, it's pretty special. you know. Just with everything that, that Joe had talked about and had mentioned from the start of the season and, and losing JD and all that sort of stuff, but then to, to have the beginning part of the season that we had and then to kind of lose whatever we lost through um, you know, the last third but uh, to save the best for last and to come into here and, and score the win and score the championship is, is what it's all about. So um, can't thank this guy next to me enough with Adam and the team that he has and, is, and has, has assembled as well as uh, the way that he leads, and um, you know expects the best out of all of us.
2: And the emotions for Kyle, after he crossed the finish line were not there. <laughs> I wrote in my notes, they were not there. It was not evident. And even in the moments that followed, he he was still so mellow. So why was that? He gives us some insight.
3: Pro- I kind of probably don't remember much of it already, but um, you know I do remember taking the white flag and and uh, crossing underneath that, and just I had some tears rolling down my eyes for the last lap, and was just like, "Come on, man, we still got to finish this damn thing. Don't be such a assist. <laughs> but um, how was my last lap time? I don't even know. I quit looking, about 10 to go. Okay, so <laughs> hopefully hopefully it was decent. I don't know. We had a good lead to the guys behind us. But uh, overall, just, yeah, emotions were starting to set in. I just uh, probably didn't know where, where the hell my mind was was at. But knew we had won, and, and we had won big, and um, was just kind of being a bit more subdued about it.
2: He also took his son Brexton on a really cool victory lap. That was awesome to see. And he celebrated with him. Taking a page out of Kevin and Keelan Harvick's book. But nonetheless, that was an unforgettable moment.
3: Um, yeah. So um, Brexton actually came to me. I don't know if he got the idea from somebody else or, or if he just remembered it from Keelan doing it with Kevin and uh, said, Dad, can I go for the ride with you? And I was like, oh, hell, like I'm I'm good with it. So we asked the NASCAR guys and, and they radioed up to the tower and we got approval to be able to do that. So that was really, really special um, for Brexton, for me and Brexton to be able to Take in that moment and go for a ride around the track. And at first he was sitting down on the floorboard, and I was like, "You can't see anything, man." So I was like, "You know, stand up a little bit." So he he then was kneeling and holding on to the roll bar and and stuff, and that was really really cool. Got him a chance to go around, and I was I was smiling the whole damn time and and looking over at him and making sure that he was having fun, enjoying in that moment. And uh, you know we were waving at the camera that was in there and stuff. So it was uh, a lot of fun and and thankful for that.
2: Coming into the weekend, it's kind of weird to consider Kyle Busch the underdog, but that's kind of what he was. And he told us that he doesn't concern himself with the opinions of others. He doesn't really listen, watch, read all the outside noise, although I think he might. And he also told us something a little bit profound that you don't really get from Kyle Busch. He said that he's a little bit misunderstood sometimes.
3: Yeah, I try to tune a lot of things out. You know, when I come to the racetracks, um, you know, People look at me certain ways that um, Brad probably said it best. That uh, I'm an ASS, right? Um, but that's just because of I try to focus on what I got to do. And this guy here, and then the the 15th, this guy here also. But the 15 or 16 guys on my team are the most important people to me. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and um, so I I know what work and everything that I do to prepare throughout the year, uh, throughout the weeks, throughout the year that gets us to these opportunities. And, um, you know, I just try to focus on my group and who I am around those guys. And, and, and they know about my focus and, and my determination and my work that gets us to these situations. And so, um, you know, not a lot of people outside my circle understand exactly who I am because um, I just try to flush it out.
2: So the whole second half of the season, more like the, the last third or so, it was all about when's Kyle Busch going to win? Where's his mojo? Did he lose it? Is he going to win again this season? How's he going to get to the championship four even though he has the playoff points is he going to get there? That's all squash now. So he started the season off hot. He he was winning left and right. Cooled off a little bit, was still winning. And then after he got cool, he got ice cold. His confidence was lacking, his results were lacking. But as he says right here, it's not what have you done for me lately. It's not what have you done for me in the past. It's what can you do for me right now in this given moment in this one race winner take all championship format. And as we'll get to later in the show with the truck series champ, that is what mattered this weekend.
3: Uh, when was media day? Thursday. Um, I think one of my lines was uh, it's not what have you done for me lately. It's what can you do for me now? Right? So I think that, uh, that that's that's true in itself um, with all these guys that were fast, Denny being fast. I knew Denny was going to be good here. He's been good here. He's won here in 13. He was fast here um, a couple years ago, I think, too. And um, Truex is always, always fast, always a force to be reckoned with. And, and same with Harvick, you know. But we knew that the four was going to come here with their stuff that they've been fast with all year long, and we just didn't think that that was going to end up being the ticket on the long runs. The short run, for sure. He was he was fast on the short run, right? And so, again, to Bob's question, you know, it was if a caution come out and Harvick and myself come off pit road one and two with ten laps to go, eh, it was going to be damn hard to to win. Um, so, it, yeah, you're right. It it just it worked our way. Uh, it was long runs to the end. It was fifty something laps on on both the last set of tires, and so that that played right to us and um, how good we were. His crew chief, Adam
2: Stevens, drew a lot of parallels between 2019 and 2015, what they look like, the similarities between the two season arcs. And I thought that was pretty interesting as well.
1: It felt a lot like 2015 to me, um, aside from the broken legs, obviously. But, uh, uh, you know, in 2015, Kyle came back. We got off to a pretty hot start, won a few races. We won Indy, and then we didn't win again until we got to Homestead. Um, but we weren't running poorly, we, you know. We were um, competitive. We were leading laps. We were toward the front, and it takes a lot of things to go your way to win a race. Um, and one of those things that has to go your way is you can't make any mistakes. And um, you know, this year it was kind of similar. We won some races early. We had a tied a record for a top ten streak or something. I'm told early in the early in the year and and had a couple races get away from us. Um, but it wasn't because we weren't fast, it wasn't because we weren't prepared, they just didn't go our way. Um, and there were some things that we could have done better and some circumstances that happened, you know, it's just the way that racing is. So it, it felt a little bit like that. We had to claw our way through um, the rounds. And, you know, we got in by virtue of points, which we've done um, three out of the five times we've made it. And, uh, you know, It's about showing up and being your best when it matters the most. And tonight it mattered the most.
2: I also kind of want to know why Adam thought Kyle was so emotionless after the win. Because this is the guy that works with him day in, day out, week in, week out. And he's worked with him for a few years. He sees more Kyle Busch than pretty much any of us do. So I I thought he would have some insight as to why Kyle was so mellow and just subdued about it. Davey Siegel with Front Stretch. Questions for Adam. Um, Sorry, over here. Kyle seemed pretty subdued over the radio once he crossed the finish line. Uh, you got a little bit more hyped up about it, but were you surprised that he was kind of that calm? And do you think there's maybe a reason for that?
1: No, I, I think it's just a matter of being that focused. Um, and, you know, we've been through this rodeo before. And, like I said earlier, you know, the goal is to win the championship. Um, not that achieving your goals is anticlimactic, because it's not, and it is a big deal. But uh, I I think the intense amount of focus and preparation and hard work that he put into it, it was probably more of a relief that it was over, um, you know, aside from the fact that we actually accomplished our goal.
2: Team owner Joe Gibbs said the year's come full circle. Started in Daytona with the win with Denny Hamlin after the passing of J.D. Gibbs. They finished 1-2-3 there. And now it ends with another 1-2-3 finish and a championship They won all the crown jewels this year, it seems like, besides the Brickyard 400. I mean, they won the Daytona 500. They won the Southern 500. They won Homestead. They they did everything that you can this year, and they set the new record for one organization in a season for wins. Out of 36 races, they won over half. Won over half. 19 races. The previous high was 18 by Hendrick Motorsports in 2007. So this is a historic year for Joe Gibbs Racing, In every sense of the word, to be honest. Crown jewels, a title, new record for wins by an organization in a season. And you'd be kidding yourself if you didn't think that the passing of J.D. Gibbs and what that did in terms of bringing everybody together, that definitely had an impact on things.
4: It's been an emotional year for us. For me, it started with the Daytona 500. I think anybody that saw that would probably say, there's no way that could happen by accident. I felt like God was kind of overseeing that. I think JD was there. And then it kind of continued the entire year for me. It's been emotional to think that you could win the number of races we won. Um, it's just something that normally doesn't doesn't happen. I think he was a big part of it for us. I think all everybody that worked at Joe Gibbs Racing, when JD left us, I think each and every one of them felt that so much. I think they devoted this year to him and kind of everything. I know Coy and, and all of us did family-wise. And so I just want to say a thanks to everybody. You asked me, it was emotional all year. I felt like I could feel JD all year. And it's kind of hard to put in words. And, uh, but it's been special. And, and different and it was great to finish it up the way we did tonight.
2: Martin Truex Jr. comes up one spot short on what was such a weird day for him but he did have the fastest car for at least the first half of the race. Like he says here you got to be perfect in these scenarios and unfortunately for the 19 team they they just weren't perfect.
1: Yeah I mean ultimately it's uh, it was the loss of track position that that bit us you know we uh, we restarted uh, the third stage and third and really wish I could have been either second or fourth. I got blitzed on the outside by the 20 and the 22 and a couple of those guys. And then, you know, I had to, had to just run the crap out of my right front to get back by them. And I got tight on that run and and it took me forever to just get by a few cars. So I lost a a bunch of ground on that run because of, you know, getting tight, um, in traffic and, and then just was too far back to make anything happen, you know, the last run. So, um, you know, ultimately it's, it's, it came down a track position and, you know, felt like if I could have been up front and controlled the race, I could have drove away from him. And, you know, at the end I was, we were, we were quite a bit quicker, but it's just, it was too much of a gap. So yes, yeah, it's, it's part of the deal. You got to be perfect, you know, and uh, one mistake, you
2: know, probably cost us a shot at it. I apologize for this bad audio from Kevin Harvick, but he and the team just needed to try something else, try something different to try to get the championship and I also talked to Rodney Childers on Pit Road after the race and he kind of admitted that they weren't going to win on straight speed so this is kind of their only play to stay out late and hope for a caution.
5: Yeah what well, we just needed to do something different um, you know those guys they were so much better than us on the long run and, you know really
2: our best chance
5: was to was to have a caution there at the end and, and um, never got one so we just you know did something different hoping hoping for a caution and that's what you're supposed to do in those, those late situations like that. So just uh, do the opposite of, of the cars you're trying to race, and just didn't work
6: out.
2: As I mentioned, Denny Hamlin had to pit late for overheating. And I, I don't remember who said it on Twitter, but it was almost like he was saying, the water's pegged, we're going to blow up, I think we should pit. And then Chris Gabehart basically said, come if you need to. But then he radioed back and said, you make the call. And I think that was, or whoever said it on Twitter was basically saying, that's Denny essentially saying, I don't want to be the one to make the call to have a shot at losing this title. And it, this was going to mean so much to him. I mean, the night before, he went out with a bunch of friends, had four big-ass pieces of cake, and he posted it on Instagram and said, 39, period, LFG. And if you don't know what LFG is, that means let's bleep and go. Uh, Denny, I, I've talked to a lot of people this past week or two or so and talking about Denny because there's not really one NASCAR driver that has swag. You know, but Denny Hamlin has swag. And I think that that would be really cool for an to have a champion like that. He's actually my early favorite for 2020, but who cares about that? Did this want to hurt more for Denny Hamlin, knowing all that went into it this season, what last season gave him, and the success that he's had at Homestead, knowing that this is the last time for the foreseeable future that the finale is going to be held at Miami?
0: I don't know. Um, it's tough to say. I feel like I did all I could. Uh, so probably not. I mean, I don't think I could have done a better job. I don't think I, you know, could have, I didn't leave anything out there. Uh, so, you know, for the first half of the race, we just weren't fast enough. We weren't handling very good and all of a sudden it went nighttime and we took off and suddenly I perked up and got a little more and was thinking that, uh, we got a chance. And then, uh, just uh didn't work out i mean you know i definitely like i said you know last week that uh, i was going to come in here and do the best i could and live with the result either way i mean either way and so you know i definitely feel like uh you know i couldn't have done anything different uh certainly you know we got a little aggressive there and and it cost us but uh i mean he's also been really aggressive and won us races too so uh it's just uh he's going for it um he saw an opportunity there to really uh, add some speed to the car, and uh, it just didn't work out. There you have it. Those are the sound bites from the
2: Cup Series Championship 4. Not the best race by any means. It actually got a pretty bad vote in Jeff Gluck's poll, which is I was kind of sad to see. But, man, I love Homestead. I, I really do. I, I'm going to be really sad next year when it's gone. I do get it's time for a change, and I think that it will return in due time. The season finale will to Miami. But just, I think a lot of people share the same sentiment. You know, getting there on championship morning, having the sun, the Miami sun out there. Homestead's just such a unique track. The scenes, the venues, the backstretch with the big flag flying. The, the one thing that I always remember about Homestead, at least I've worked at the past few years, is that late at night... Almost everybody's gone. The only people still there are the media and the championship team and the photographers. And I remember I get a shuttle back or I walk back to the backstretch outside of the track where the American flag's flying. The track is still lit up. My car is one of the only ones left in the parking lot. And I I just kind of like reflect on the season and the race that we had that day. I'm going to kind of miss that. But ISM Raceway, it's a worthy venue. The race hopefully will be worthy. It hasn't been yet, but Homestead Miami Speedway, I'm saluting you right now. You can't see because this is the podcast, but I salute you. It's been a great ride. Thank you for a wonderful 18 years. Let's hit on the Ford EcoBoost 300 for the Xfinity Series and the Ford EcoBoost 200 for the Gander Outdoors Truck Series, also from Homestead. Tyler Reddick, man, can that dude drive, and good golly, is it entertaining. I mean... Did you not enjoy watching him just absolutely rip the you-know-living-what out of the top lane on Saturday? It was insane. The, the Xfinity race, by far, was not only the best race of the weekend, as I said in my highlight hump day, I think it honestly might have been the best race of the season. It was so entertaining. Championship four were battling all together, mostly the big three. Redick, Bell, Custer, Allgaier was there on the fringe, too. They all they were three wide at some points. Oh man, it's the Xfinity rules package aerodynamically, and the tire compound, and the talent that is in this series, coupled with the track and the package and the tire and the stakes that were on the line, it just made for an unbelievable show. And God, I was I was so privileged to just be watching it. Tyler Reddick is the man who wins the championship. He makes history doing so. Not only is he the seventh driver ever to win two Xfinity titles, I'm actually going to try to name them off the top of my head right now. We got Sam Ard, that's one. Randy LaJoy is two. Larry Pearson is three. Martin Truex Jr. is four. Dale Earnhardt Jr. is five. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is six. And Tyler Reddick is seven. Good, I'm proud of myself I got that off the top of my head. All right, back on track. And he becomes the first driver in Xfinity Series history I think also maybe NASCAR history, not sure, to win back-to-back titles with different organizations. That's pretty insane. And you'll hear a little bit about it in this soundbite. Tyler Reddick's feelings on a second championship, why this one may mean a little more to him than the year prior. Because, let's face it, he got kicked out of his ride last year. But Richard Childress and the people associated with RCR, they believed in him, and he delivered for them.
7: It was awesome. I mean. Uh, the first one was, was special, but this one uh, means more, and it, it, it's special in different ways. On top of it, uh, you know, from the from the moment me and Richard sat down last year about talking about doing something this current year, and, and how much you know excitement and faith he had in, in my driving ability, and he thought we could, you know, well before I won the championship of Junior Motorsports, he he thought I could be a champion, and uh, you know, did it last year at Junior Motorsports, but this year we we did it more consistently, had the most top fives. You know, maybe not led the most laps, but uh, we we tooth and clawed our way for every top five, every top ten, and um, that got us regular season championship, and that allowed us to you know go through the playoffs in a manner that allowed us to get here, even when we made a few mistakes along the way. So, just hats off to this team. I, I wrecked a few really good race cars that we were planning on bringing here, and we brought our third option, and it was it was it was amazing. It was a great car, great team, and uh, we just we just did what we needed to do to win the championship and the race with it.
2: His crew chief, Randall Burnett, called the shots to the title, his first. But I wanted to know from a crew chief's perspective if he wanted to call his driver down from the wall at the end so he didn't just knock the right side off that thing. Davey Siegel, with front stretch. Do you get nervous, especially towards the end of the race, when he's inches off the wall? And did it ever cross your mind to tell him to maybe move down just to half a lane or a lane?
5: Yeah, I don't know if they showed me or not, but I was nervous about 200 laps tonight. So <laughs> um, No, he, like... he. It, it is nerve wracking. You know, it's like you want to tell him to slow down, but then you got Cole less than a second behind you and he's not going to slow down. Right. So you're just kind of at the mercy of just going as hard as you can. And um, he just, it, it's what he does, man. he just gives the, give the right guy, the right equipment and and magical things happen.
2: Team owner, Richard Childress was in a very positive mindset looking ahead to 2020 while also relishing in the moment in the media center, but he was looking ahead to the cup series because of Tyler. I mean, It's no secret to say that this kid is the future of the organization, one of the most iconic ones in NASCAR. Yeah, you have Austin Dillon there, but we know that his results haven't been up to snuff. And RC was beaming with pride when just thinking about the future that has Tyler Reddick in it a lot at RCR.
8: You know, he's amazing talent. I've seen that before he even won his first championship, watching him race and he drove some loose race cars that, that year for uh, junior nose guys, really loose. It gets you in trouble. And the first thing I told Randall, I said, you keep him tight enough, he'll go out and win a lot of races for us. And he did. And uh, we're so excited. Uh, I just felt if we could get here, we'd have a great shot of winning the championship. And the talent that he's got uh, next year is going to be – it's going to raise RCR to another level. We, we've changed so much this year. I'm as excited about next year as I have been in a long time, having Tyler in the cup car and the things that we know he can do and what he'll bring to RCR.
2: Close but no cigar for Cole Custer. Who are you going to call? Not Cole Custer. I'd call Tyler Reddick. But Cole hit the wall late in the going. He did overcome being a lap down, and he ended up getting it back under green. And he finished in second place. And if it weren't for Tyler Reddick, Cole Custer was the man to beat. I mean, he had one of the best cars in the field as well. I think during the daytime, he probably did have the quickest car. But once nighttime came along and Reddick moved inches off that wall, the two was the fastest car. But the double zero was no snuff either. He was pretty, pretty solid.
6: Uh, Yeah. I mean, uh, like I said, I think I said it on TV. I mean, it's just, I mean, Tyler can rip the fence here. I don't know. I could get I could match his lap time there at there at the end but he was just a tick better where he could be on my bumper when he was behind me and do a slide job and uh I could keep up with him and I I just at there at the end I felt like I needed to find a way to like close the gap I was just like three car lengths back the whole time so I was like I need to try and fi- figure out a way to close t- close the gap and I uh, just got in the fence a little bit but uh, I mean, it's been a great year, so we have a lot to hang our hats on, and it's just, it sucks running second again, but I mean, we we can uh, still stay positive about how great of a year we've had.
2: Christopher Bell's Xfinity Series career ends without a championship. It's kind of so strange to me to think that that can happen because this guy has been one of, if not the most highly touted prospect in NASCAR to come in the last, I don't know, 20, 30 years, maybe? And he, he has been in the series for two full years. He's dominated each and every year. But when they get to the finale at Homestead, it, something just doesn't line up. And he said that this year he faced some familiar demons just like last year.
9: Uh, it was oddly familiar. I I don't know. I don't get it. I, for whatever reason, whenever the tires start falling off here, we I just I struggle. I don't know what we're missing um, to get me comfortable where we can go around here. But, uh, yeah, I just – you know, I'm okay for 10, 20, and then uh, after that, we just fall apart for some reason.
2: The fourth championship four driver was Justin Allgaier for Junior Motorsports. Said, admittedly, he, he never really had a shot. He was way off, but he was proud of the season that they had to
10: get to this point. It was disappointing. I mean, you know, we felt like yesterday in practice, um, the seven laps that we got, that our balance was pretty good. I and mean, we were excited about tonight because we felt like, you know, the things that uh the things that we worked on yesterday and the things that we'd worked on in the shop and trying to make better for our program, uh, we had done. And unfortunately tonight we just uh we were just way too loose. You know, way too loose to really push um at the speed that a lot of those guys were running and you know, it was disappointing. I mean, you know, when I was able to run the top there for the middle part of a run, I thought we were okay. We weren't great, um, but we weren't we weren't as bad. Um but just, just didn't have the speed that we were looking for tonight, and you know it's disappointing. But at the end of the day, uh, to race the way that we did, to have the the playoffs that we did, to uh, to not only get the win at Phoenix, but to to really execute at the races that we needed to, and, and and point our way to to Phoenix, I thought was really good. And you know we got a lot of work to do. I mean, everybody at Junior Motorsports. It's funny because you know we talk about the off season, but come Monday morning, we're already focused on what we need to do better in 2020.
2: All right, that wraps up the Xfinity Series for 2019. Let's move on to the Gander Outdoors Truck Series. Matt Crafton makes history in a weird way, becoming the first driver under this championship format, which began in 2014, to win a championship without winning a race in the entire season. He had not won in 2019. In 2018, he won one race. That was at Eldora on the dirt. I went back and checked. His last asphalt victory was 86 races ago in 2017 at the start of the year. Man, and this guy won a championship. That doesn't really matter to him. He's still soaking it all in, and he is now in rarefied air with three championships. He won back-to-back ones in 2013 and 14, I believe. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe it was 14 and 15. I don't know. But now he's tied with Jack Sprague for
3: second most all time unbelievable feeling to be able to have three and uh just the whole group behind me i mean duke and Ron thorson menards uh and every one of these guys that build these trucks every week i mean junior and i are just the lucky ones that i know he makes all the calls but at the end of the day these guys build these trucks and uh we're fortunate enough to be able to he makes the calls and i get to drive these things and this thing was phenomenal tonight uh Hill had a, a rocket ship. And there at the end of the race, I felt like I could race him maybe harder. But at the same time, I know I could have lost a lot of time racing him. And at the end of the day, it was about winning the war, not just this battle.
2: Crew Chief Junior Joyner admitted that the season and the playoffs were a bit rough for his 88 group. But they did what they needed to do when it mattered the most. I can't stress that enough. That's what people are saying. Oh, Kraft is not a deserving champion. Buzz off. Yes, he is. He got to the championship four because of consistency. He won the championship because he was the best driver on that night out of those four drivers. If Austin Hill would have made the championship four, he would have won the championship. He didn't. If Brett Moffitt, who won, I think, the most races this season, if he would have outran Matt Crafton, he would be the champion. He didn't. Matt Crafton played the cards that were dealt to him, and he clearly got a royal flush. That was a good analogy on the fly for me. Shout out to me because he did what he needed to do so did his crew chief junior joiner so did Thor Sport Racing as a whole and he knew right after practice that they were going to have a hot rod but let's get back to junior uh he also dedicated this title to somebody special after he's gone through a bit of a tough time this season
5: that's all that matters is uh we had a rough one we've had a, a, a couple rough ones and uh you know I've been waiting for a long time I lost my mom earlier in the year and I've been waiting for the day that I could I could tell her thank you and uh and I could give her one and uh we gave her the big one. You know, I've been waiting to win a race and so I could dedicate it to her, but we're going to win, we're going to dedicate the award to her and uh she always came here. She was at both our championship wins. She lived down here and uh it was a hard one. It was a tough interview tonight. Um I know I had an angel on my shoulder tonight. I Was praying for no yellow at the end. Um but I think our truck was good enough and he was good enough on the restarts. Maybe we could have won the thing. Who knows, you know, but you just don't want that circumstance. You just want we had like a 10 second delta. I wanted to keep it that way, so uh it's been a rough year, uh, for sure. We've had a lot of, lot of issues, but we've had speed. And, uh, and we kind of made a pact that we were going to stick with a certain package, um, you know, dating back to last year. And I, I feel like we're, I don't know, you're driving it. I feel like we're making gains
3: on it. We're yeah, I'd there. say we made gains, without <laughs> a doubt. I mean, it, yeah, we, we haven't won. We didn't win tonight. And, uh, but at the end of the day, we can always say we won the battle. We, we got the big trophy at the end of the year. That's all that matters. And uh, it, it feels damn good, I'll tell you that much.
2: ThorSport Sport Racing's GM, David Pepper, great name, uh, along with the team owner, Duke Thorson, calling him. They bragged on the fight that this team, this driver, everybody associated with Thor Sport on this 88 team showed throughout the playoffs and all season long to get to this point.
8: You know, I just can't say enough about these guys and everybody at Thor Sport just uh, calling right now too. That's our owner. <laughs> Duke calling me. Um, just the perseverance that everybody in this organization had. These guys tonight, you know, they we get kicked. We we've had off nights, we've had tough weekends, and to end the season with the the championship and win the regular season championship, you know, this organization has the the big hardware. I know we didn't win as many races <laughs> as we want to. We're going to come back next year and and really focus on that. But I, I just like to. Uh, give a lot of thanks to Duke and Ronda Thorson for having faith in us and giving us the opportunity to do this and the perseverance that everybody had to to win this deal it's it's truly special
2: but as I said he didn't win the race Austin Hill did Crafton finished second behind him and it was Austin's fourth win of the season he wasn't even in the championship four but his a Tory Racing Enterprises guys gave him a heck of a rocket ship nice way to end the season after the team won the championship last year, won at Homestead last year, and man, the 16 truck was absolutely on rails once again.
6: Man, right when I got out of the truck and did my interview, I uh, I told everybody how uh, how much of this this race it, it it was awesome to win, but it stung at the same time, just because we were really close to to making it to the round of four and um, having a shot at the championship, and and you know. Round of six just wasn't very kind to us, and we we uh, just didn't have enough points there at the end to make it. But uh, yeah, it's it's awesome to uh, get my fourth win of the season, and um, you know, in the in the season on a high note, uh, going into twenty twenty. So I'm really excited to work with these guys again. Uh, I can't thank Shiggy enough for everything he does for for this team. Uh, Mike Grechie and and Scott, um, you know, just like any other. Um, driver and crew chief you have your ups and downs and you talk it through and sometimes you get mad at each other and you just talk it out and move on so that's uh, the kind of year we've had and you know we 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 know of areas that we need to get better at for next year and that's what we're going to work on in the off season we're going to grind it out and um, we're going to be ready come 2020 it's going to be on
2: Ross Chastain he had speed all night but he was close just not close enough to capping off what had been, and still is, one of the coolest stories in NASCAR. Declaring that you're going to run for truck points in the middle of the season, winning to get into the playoffs, having one of your wins taken away, getting to the championship four, securing sponsorship throughout the year. The watermelon man himself comes home one spot short of the championship, Ross Chastain.
9: Yeah, I mean, we, we wrote a new story. This hasn't been done, so i um, proud of of the effort, I mean, all year. Right, we started out with a, a handful of races. Uh, actually, in no- a year ago, calendar year ago, I was going to run five races uh, in Al's trucks. So, when everything went down over the off season, it was uh, as many races as possible, but it was still going to be in the the teens total number of races. And um, you know, when when. Stuff went went down on the Xfinity side, and it just became apparent that we weren't going to be um, be able to be competitive and, and push forward, or maybe even not run all the races. It was uh, it was a no brainer, and I was was 100 on board. So um, that was uh, about four nights of the scariest time in my life of thinking of switching points because um, it had not been done before, never on purpose, and never with this uh, mentality that you're going to go win a championship. So. It's um, it's 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 pretty pretty crazy that we did that and that we made it to homestead. We finished the best out of the Chevys. We did everything we could. Um, it, it says a lot. So tonight we fired off well. Uh, had a lot of speed. Too loose all night um, and just stayed too loose as the track. We we tightened our truck up, but we built free uh, with the track all night. So um, never made a big enough dent in it um, and just too far back when uh when you know when it mattered i
2: don't know what those farting noises were i I hope you heard those too and it's not just me but anyways glad that's over brett moffitt was one of the favorites coming into homestead but he just he didn't end up having the speed in his gms truck that the 88 had in theirs yeah we just we missed it on overall grip we had okay long run speed um but we just we
9: couldn't fire off and, and run pace, and we couldn't run the bottom. <clears throat> Scott and those guys have a really good setup for here, and it, it can run the bottom long and fast. And you know it's proven to be the truck to beat here the last two years. And um, we just we just need to go to work. We need to get better here. As I was teeing that
2: up, I just realized, and I saw this before, but Toyota won the Cup Championship, Chevy won the Xfinity Championship, and Ford won the Truck Championship. And it was actually with the only Ford truck team that the Blue Ovals have in Thor Sports. So that's pretty cool. And the fourth out of this championship for Stuart Friesen admittedly never really had a chance either. A 14th, excuse me, 11th place finished for him. Justin Allgaier finished 14th. 11th place for Stuart Friesen. They just could not get the handle on it all evening long.
0: Oh, We had a little bit of short run speed. Um, but I think I just had to push it too hard to try to keep up with the guys that we were racing. And uh, you know the bottom would fall out of it. There we could hang for part of the stage, and then it would just you know back up, uh, backed up at the end of the first stage. We were able to mount some charges on restarts and stuff, but just didn't have the have the long run stability stability to um, to make a make a bid to uh, run for the championship. Obviously, congrats to Matt Junior and the Thor Sport guys. Um, they're a heck of a race team. So congrats to those guys. Congrats to Austin for winning the race. And we just uh, we just you know look at that scoreboard there. We just didn't have a chance.
2: And thus really ends the 2019 national series season a lot of audio bites this week we had a lot last week as well kathleen i know you're listening thank you guys for bearing with me i hope you enjoyed it uh but we're not done yet we still got a little bit more to go look that's up the week cue the music jimmy johnson is retiring after the 2020 season sound the alarms Wee-woo, wee-woo. It's crazy I, I was at the gym literally about to get On the elliptical to do my cardio Yes I'm a guy that goes on the elliptical so sue me And I saw that push notification Come across my phone And I was like what you, What? I, I literally did a double take And I watched his video and I mean You guys know me I'm not like a Jimmy Johnson Fan per se But literally when I was watching that video Like I, I'm not ashamed I, I got a little emotional I had a little bit of tear in my eye it's just, man, this is it. The last year for Jimmy Johnson. It's crazy. The bombshell announcement came down on Wednesday. He had a presser on Thursday. Uh, just a couple tidbits from the presser that I'll share with you guys. He basically said this he's just retiring from full-time racing. He still wants to race. He's open to running some cup races in the future. Maybe get down and dirty with some off-road stuff. Maybe some IndyCar stuff, except not on fast ovals. Maybe some IMSA stuff as well. There is no replacement lined up for the 48 in 2021, and he wanted to stress that he's also ready for one more ride, one more season, full time competing in the Cup Series for seven times. He's gunning for eight. I mean, look, he's he's not gonna get it. I mean, we know that. I'm sure his odds in Vegas are probably like you know 50 to one or something like that. Maybe I'll put five bucks on it. You know, who knows? But man, that's uh. Biggest news of the offseason, and it came, what, two, three days after the season ended. So, Jimmy Johnson calling it quits full-time, that is, after this year. Justin Marks also announced his retirement from racing. Going to go hiking a lot more. He's been very public about his hiking journey. I think he summited Mount Everest, maybe. That was really cool to follow along with. Joey Logano partnered with Hot Wheels, and he had a track that was 1,941 feet long, a new Guinness World Record. Just to let you know, that is longer than Bristol Motor Speedway, and he did some celebratory donuts in an actual Ford Mustang with Hot Wheels on the side. That was really cool. Denny Hamlin had successful surgery to repair a torn labrum in his shoulder. He will be ready for the start of 2020 advanced auto parts will be the primary sponsor for ryan blaney's number 12 machine for team penske for four races next season myatt snyder is going to run xfinity races with rcr on a limited schedule he's going to do five of the first seven races then the fall martinsville and the season finale at ism raceway so shout out to my congrats to you my friend gms racing confirmed that they will not have an Xfinity team next season we saw that coming so that means John Hunter Nemechek is SOL and they've also hired Zane Smith for a full truck schedule Kevin Bono Manion is going to be the crew chief for him he's going to join Brett Moffitt Sheldon Creed Sam Mayer on a part-time truck and Tyler Ankrum that got announced on I think Thursday that he was going to move from DGR Crosley to GMS Racing next year for a full-time truck schedule so very happy for Tyler. He was one of the first guests on the show, so we are always happy for Mr. Cowlicker himself. Raphael Lasard and Christian Eckes are going to be full-time for KBM next year in the Truck Series in the 4 and the 51 truck, I believe, respectively. Chandler Smith, maybe he'll run part-time. Who knows? We'll see. Kyle Larson won the richest event in USAC NOS Energy Drink National and Western Midget history. What does that mean? He won the richest event in dirt racing on the West Coast. I think thirty-two thousand dollars. Won that on Wednesday night at Placerville Speedway in California. He got twenty k for the hundred lap feature and an additional twelve k for being the points champion of the Hangtown 100. It was a 17th career win, and it was in his own midget, which I know he was really, really proud of that. I'll give you one guess who finished second. Yep, Christopher Bell, <laughs> and uh, one of my boys. Dylan Welch finished 6th. It's crazy. I saw a couple of drivers retweeting. tweeting, you know, it's nuts that this guy is a broadcaster for the sport when he can wheel the, sh- you know what, I almost slipped there, out of a race car. So he finished 6th and Ricky Stenhouse Jr. finished 28th. Penalty report leaving home said Mike Wheeler, crew chief for the 95 for Matt DiBenedetto, had one loose lug nut, so he was fined $10,000. Mike Shiplett, crew chief of the Double Zero of Cole Custer, same offense, fined $5,000. Steve Lane, who's the owner of On Point Motorsports and the crew chief on Danny Bones, number 30 for the truck series, was fined $5,000 and suspended one points race for two unsecured lug nuts in the truck series. And Trip Bruce III, the 52 crew chief for Stuart Friesen, was fined $2,500 for one loose lug nut as well. Not a good end to that season for the 52 team. Dale Earnhardt Jr. has named the honorary starter. He has not named. He was named as the honorary starter for the 2020 Daytona 500. I mean, what's next? He gave the command. Now he's going to be the honorary starter. Next year, he needs to sing the anthem. I mean, geez. And Corey LaJoy actually brought up a good point on his Sunday Money podcast. You know, we're all for Dale Jr. doing all this cool stuff because it's awesome. But what happened this weekend at Homestead was cool because you had Michael freaking Jordan at the racetrack cheering on Denny Hamlin. Ray Lewis was there. Like, this is a good opportunity to get some celebrities and some cool crossover to bring in a different demographic to watch the sport, to be at the race. Get a performer to have the pre-race concert. Get a celebrity to say, driver start your engines or wave the green flag. Get more people to watch, to tune in. And Corey said, you know, pay them whatever you need to pay them. You're trying to get more viewers. You're trying to get a new demographic. So do all you can to get that and I think I agree with him on that as I do with most things the Gander RV and Outdoors Truck Series next season is going to be the name of the series this year it's just the Gander Outdoors Truck Series so that's just more of a mouthful Joey Meyer who was the spotter for Brad Keselowski for a while and was for Paul Menard this season is not coming back to the spotter stand next year. He's going to be flying across the country pursuing his passion of aviation. And Andy Houston, Austin Dillon's spotter, he will not be returning to the roof either. NASCAR and Rev Racing announced their 2020 Drive for Diversity class of drivers. There's one new addition, and I think it's the best name in the group. Perry Patino. I'm sure Perry is probably listening, except he's not. And he's probably like, don't say my name like that. But it just screams Perry Patino. So it's Perry Pitino and five returning drivers. Chase Cabry, we know him from his KM Pro Series, a.k.a. Arca East days. Nick Sanchez, who's going to be running full-time in the Arca East this year. Gracie Trotter. Raja Karuth, my boy from D.C. Shout-out to the DMV. And Isabella Robusto, I think... Robust, though I don't know. Sorry, Isabel, if I'm mispronouncing your name. Cool program, though, as always. Rev Racing and NASCAR do a really cool job of highlighting everything going on in, in terms of diversity within sport. So I am all for that. That will wrap things up, folks, for episode 38 of Victory Lane 2.0. The champions have been crowned. We might be back next week. We might not, because of Thanksgiving. But um, I will be back before the the year is over. I can promise you that. In the meantime. I know it sounds trivial Do me a favor, rate, review, subscribe to this podcast on iTunes Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud We're everywhere I've really enjoyed doing this podcast this year I know sometimes it's been a little bit of a chore for me As you could probably tell Because i got a lot of you-know-what going on on my plate But it's been fun And I'm glad you guys have been along for the ride with me As I'm recording this, it's uh, Friday morning Um, About to pack up, might hit the gym real quick, don't know And I'm going to head down to Charlotte for the NASCAR Touring Series Awards Banquet tomorrow. Going to be fun, hopefully look snazzy, uh, and I'm looking forward to that. So I will talk to you guys down the road. Don't know when it'll be, but it'll be soon. Thank you guys for all the support, all the downloads, all the listens, all the engagement, all the interaction, all year and all season long. It's not a goodbye, it's a see you later.